Welcome to the Middleman Podcast. The following is a conversation with Jake Winter. Jake and I met in high school, and our conversation has a lot of similarities to the crazy ones that we would have in physics class. It was really nice to catch up with him, and uh, he's a very sharp, quick guy who does very well fielding my questions. Jake is a mechanical engineering major at University of Connecticut, and he has a lot to share, and he has a lot of success ahead of him and behind him. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Jake Winter. All right, we'll start now then. Okay. Uh, so you were off caffeine for a while. I was off caffeine for a week and a half, and now I am on caffeine right now. Is that a beeper? That's my tile. Tiles are awesome because I lose everything. It's off now. Okay, it's not off. Why is it making noise? I'm trying to connect my phone. Yeah, if you press the tile, like it finds your phone too. Oh, okay. Can so you you can pull it up like it'll move anywhere you want it. Just don't uh. Okay, so let's grab it like. Uh, yeah, anywhere. Okay. You can manhandle. Is that good? Is this the right distance? The reason I want to have the boom is because I want you to be able to like, you know, lean back like this and have it still close to you. Okay, so we can be. So just like chill. You keep it really close. Um. But yeah, anyway, so what was it like to not be drinking coffee all the time? Well, sleep was a lot better. I mean, I, the main reason I did it, because it, it was so hard to fall asleep at night. So I, I usually would limit caffeine to like, I would stop at 2, and then, you know, try to be to sleep by like 12, 1. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be working a little later, I'd, you know, sneak 4, 5, and then, <laughs> yeah, it was not ideal. So what do you mean stop at 2? You stop drinking coffee, or what were you drinking? Yeah, coffee. I love Rook. Uh, you know, I get the, the New Orleans almond milk. No Rook sugar. is crack. Rook is really good. I, I really slept on Rook for a long time, and then I tried it, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to drink anything else around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to speak too, too down on Rook, but I'm pretty sure everybody loves it is because it's just got the most caffeine in it compared to anything else. That is, yeah, I drink half a Rook, and I'm, I'm off it. I'm yeah. completely <laughs> wired. That's probably what it is now that I think of it's it. It's like the fentanyl of, like... <laughs> Dude, I'll be sitting there after a rook, and, like, my left arm will hurt a little bit, and I'm like, is uh, this... I don't know if this is safe. Is this it? Yeah. Is this when it happens? <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, especially especially if you're high, too, it'll just, like, because you're, you know, you're just way more sensitive to things. Sure. It's like, you know, you're like, oh, my God, am I going to die right now? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it. I did a, uh, I did a sober September. Uh, sober October. Yeah, last year I did September. This year I did October. Uh, and that first cup of coffee. Oh, my god! Oh, you didn't drink coffee. No, I didn't drink coffee. Oh, you really didn't take anything. Did you take an aspirin? No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, where do you draw the line, you know? that's Yeah, that's a good question. I draw the line at tea. Tea is not drugs. Coffee is drugs. T- tea is drugs. Tea has caffeine. Yeah. Well, it depends on the tea. Like, I when I when I wasn't big on caffeine, like, I would drink a caffeinated tea, and that would be, that'd be it. I'd be ready. Exactly. But, like, if you if you don't draw the line at tea, then where are you going to draw the line? Are you going to draw the line at Coca-Cola? Because that has caffeine in it. Yeah, but I wouldn't drink Coke. I mean, that you shouldn't drink Coke you, ever. You get what I'm getting. I'm saying, though. Like, there's no, a, it's fair. Get chocolate so has caffeine. So, tea is an okay place to draw the line that's fine sure um and i took the first sip and i was like wow (laughs) i was like wow yeah no that taking tea breaks from from caffeine is very important tea breaks from most drugs is any was very important Mm -hmm. but um especially caffeine because you don't realize how reliant you get on it like i would just go to work every day um Mm -hmm. last semester and just we had a coffee machine the keurig so every morning i'm hitting the keurig eventually it's like i need the keurig first thing in the morning yeah 
That's no good. Yeah. Well, why, why not? What's wrong with that? Do you know what adenosine is? I don't know what that adenosine is. Adenosine is a is the um the chemical in your brain that makes you sleepy. So like when mm-hmm. you start to feel sleepy, you like get adenosine. And so what caffeine does is it doesn't give you more energy. It just blocks your adenosine receptors. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't. It's not actually stimulating you in a way that like it gives you adrenaline. Unless your body, there's like, definitely a lot of dopamine when I when I take caffeine. The dopamine is not in there. The dopamine's in you because you like doing it. Right, right. Just like yeah. you get it from playing video games. Yeah, yeah. And it will increase your dopamine, but the reason that it's not good to take that right in the morning is because you wake up in the morning, you have adenosine in your brain, and your body without coffee can shed that adenosine naturally. But if you continually use coffee as soon as you wake up. Your body won't know how to shed it or it'll rely on the oh. coffee to shed it. So if you just do that first thing in the morning and then you don't have coffee one day, you're just going to stay sleepy. Wow. I didn't know that. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, so you should wait um, like 60 to 90 minutes or 90 to 120 minutes. Oh, I think I was hitting that. I think yeah? I was around hitting that. Like around like an hour, hour and a half. So that, that yeah. sounds about right. That's that's a... You know, you know what the old trick was is when I would this is this is back like uh, freshman sophomore year I'd be on these study binges, um, and I would I would stay up to ungodly hours studying, um, and then I'd want to get right back into studying when I woke up. But when you wake up, you're just so drowsy and it's not a good feeling. So what I would do was I would set an alarm like forty five minutes before I was gonna wake up, and then I would take a stimulant of some sort, whether it was Adderall or caffeine, a caffeine <laughs> pill, and then I would go back to sleep. Oh my and then goodness. you would, I would wake up incredibly wired. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing. So I just went right to the library and got back to it. So you went, you went into sort of like a, a subsequent half sleep. Yeah. I wonder if you would really even call that a half sleep. I went, I, I started dreaming, you know, it's like, I, I yeah. went right back in. I'm really good at just going right back. Well, that's why room. I said that because you would be in like REM sleep at that moment. Cause that's when you dream, like at the end of your, yeah, yeah. Huh. I had a weird dream last night. Yeah, I had sure. a really weird dream. Go ahead. I, I like got accused. I was in Alabama and I got falsely accused of a murder. Whoa. That's true. That's and I'm not making this Did up. Did they I, lynch you? No, no, it was it was like it was present day. It was it was not even like one of those like old timey kind of like it wasn't like a period piece. Uh-huh. And I just I was falsely accused, and I, I I started like it was weird. I I kept waking up and falling back asleep, and I was like slowly convincing myself that I did it. Huh? I don't know why. I think this is like this is like a it's a sub subconscious thing I have about myself. Did your heartbeat increase at all? I don't. I wasn't tracking my heart rate. Well, I just you could feel. It. I remember one time I had a dream, and I have no idea what the content of it was. But I woke up thinking I solved it, just like that feeling. Like, <laughs> I got it, and I woke up feeling I have to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. And I like woke up in my room. I started looking around, and then slowly, like it came back to me. Like I don't even know what I'm thinking about, or like it was a dream. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, that's funny. And then another time, I had a dream. Uh, where I was running away from the police and I woke up early in the morning and I went surfing and then I saw a police officer on the beach and I'm like oh shit and then I realized that I was not dreaming again yeah it's weird especially when you get off caffeine your dreams get like way more vibrant and when you stop smoking weed too yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say yeah yeah I would there was a a period where I was just smoking weed every day and that first like you know time I didn't smoke and I went to sleep like I had trippy dreams like Mm -hmm. I was just it was very clear and just like it was almost lucid. It was crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a good segue into my first question. Oh, you have, a, you have a piece of paper. I have a piece of paper in my hand. The reason that's a good segue is because we're however many minutes in now, 
And my first, uh, my first sentence is, I don't think it will be difficult to fill up the air with conversation, but still I wrote some questions. So if you don't mind, we'll dive into those now. Please. What is engineering and what is mechanical engineering? Well, I, I don't know if I can give an accurate definition for engineering. Engineering is making things, I guess. I mean, it's like following the, following the scientific method. Yeah, all right, here's what I can do. It's following the scientific method and then actually producing a product at the end. Like the difference between a scientist and an engineer, they're very similar, but an engineer will make a product that goes to market. A scientist will publish publish research that will be used to create products but by engineers so right very similar um mechanical engineering is by far in my opinion the most broad field of engineering um because you can do so many things with it what i specifically focus on within mechanical engineering is robotics so i do you know a lot of work with ai development and where that intersects with you know creating machines and what you can do with that um, that actually runs into my next question, okay. um, because the difference between the scientific method with engineers and with scientists is uh, engineers a lot of times will call it the design process, right? Mm -hmm. But like if you look at them side by side, they're like pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's so like, can we run way. through that? Can we run through the design process? Because um, I think there's something beautiful about like the Socratic nature of the design process. Sure. Yeah. So. It depends on the, the the school, the philosophy that you kind of decide on with engineering, because there's it's 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 highly debated. I mean, the typical way people used to do it was just waterfall engineering. So what you do is you kind of break down the entire product development process into this you know structured design. So you start out with just ideating, and then you know kind of hypothesizing similar to the scientific method, testing, and then you know taking your results. Ideating as in a, like a brainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but. What the problem with that is, is that, you know, you, you don't leave a lot of room for uh, customer feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're creating, you're going through this long process of creating a product without ever validating that the customer actually cares, right? Okay, cool. So the new school of thought falls into agile development, which is um, highly based on customer feedback. So as opposed to this long process of product development we're doing it over two weeks in, in what's called sprints right mm -hmm. so this is this was started mainly in computer science and development circles but is now being applied more universally uh, but what that looks like is you basically decide on an objective for that two weeks so you decide uh, you know you hypothesize ideate create a product feature that you have in mind that you believe the customer will like you start that out with customer discovery so you talk to customers figure out what they want mm -hmm. decide on a product feature that will you know, fit their needs. And then over that two week period, you'll create, you know, either a small portion of it or, you know, some, some way to, that, you know, something to test that you can validate with the customer. And then after that two week period, you'll test it with the customer, mm -hmm. get feedback and then create another sprint. So when you say the customer, you're not talking about like a company, you're not talking about Toys R Us all the time. Like there might just be like a control, not a control group, like a, um, a focus group of people that you spoke to. Sure. Well, there's, there's many ways that you can test products, and it depends on the type of business. So you can have a, a B2B business, a direct-to-consumer business. I focus more on the B2B side, okay. but direct-to-consumer is probably the easiest to apply it because all you really need is a, a, you know, a small group of consumers to test. So it could be in a focus group. It could be in an early alpha launch mm -hmm. or just launching you know, product features to select users in an app. I mean, I'm sure you've signed up to get early access to certain features. And oh, things. okay. So you're, what you're talking about when you say small group of consumers is in terms of business to business, these are people who know what they're talking about. And so they know what they want. Not yeah, exactly what way, they want. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, if it's, if it's, if it's direct to consumer, it can just be, you know, your, your most, um, you know, 
passionate users, but mm -hmm. sometimes that creates bias as well. So it's it all it all depends on the product feature. So you it might make more sense to test it out on someone who's never even used your app before. This might be a feature that helps with the onboarding process. So you wouldn't want an experienced user. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on the feature that you'd want to test. Hmm. Cool. I could totally see how like um, that might be helpful because in a group like that, even though you definitely could get bias, you would be able to use a little bit more terminology with somebody who's like a passionate user. Sure. You know, um, and that's super helpful, especially when you need to articulate something that's like new and whatnot. So have you, have you, it's, you're saying we, like, have you gone through this process a bunch of times? Yeah, in a way. So like, I haven't launched to market with my with my startup yet, so in a way, it's it's kind of hypocritical for me to say that because I haven't gotten real customer feedback on most of my things. Um, but what what I have done is extensive customer discovery, and I've done you know partial validation by just bringing up product features to them, asking them how they would react. Okay, so let me just parse this out real quick because um, you're in college right now. Yes. You're at UConn, and what year are you in? Um, I'm. Going into my fifth year after this year, because I'm doing, I took a year off to co-op, so technically I'm like in between junior and senior year. So you spent three years in college, and then you did a co-op, which is basically working. Yes, for a year. And then which I'm still currently. Doing. And now you're saying something about, and you're still doing that. Yes. And now you're saying something about a startup, which you say is your startup. So what is the relationship between the college, your co-op, and the startup? How are any of those things? all you like is this startup all you is it 50 percent you 50 percent the college what let's okay gotcha sure so well, the startup is 49 point i don't know it's basically me and a partner and then one uh guy we gave some vested equity to uh okay. to, to, to develop but he gave 1.5 so do the math but uh, <laughs> okay but yeah uh he yeah so i have a partner who i did the startup with um, and we've been through many programs and accelerators through uh, my school, but non-diluting accelerators and programs. So we haven't given any equity away. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. So you've used the school as leverage, like you've used the library and you've used like people at the school to ask questions, but the school doesn't own what you're doing. Yeah, that's correct. Um, we've, we've done more than that. So we have, we've been through a bunch of programs at UConn. I'm just super lucky to be at UConn because there's so many entrepreneurial programs there, like... There's one called Accelerate UConn, which is a customer discovery program. Um, they give you like a couple thousand dollars to do customer discovery and do some early product development. We then transitioned to doing this competition called Innovation Quest, which is a pitch competition. Mm -hmm. So they give out like 15 grand of the winner first place, then 10 grand, then five grand. Wow. We got third place, so we got the five grand. What does that money come in the form of? A check. That's 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 my favorite wow. part about that because we just get a check to our company, of course. But a check nonetheless uh, most mm -hmm. of these programs are grants so they have requirements for the money yeah that's, that's what i was wondering yeah that was that one was nice though we got a check good for you guys thank you so did it start out like this startup you can talk about it as much as you want like i, I know it's not launching to market so maybe there's some things that you might not be able to say we can talk about we're publishing some research hopefully soon so a lot of it will go somewhat public so what's so real quick what's your um uh what's your value proposition Sure. Well, yeah, let me, I can I can get into the value process. Let me just take it back to uh, just a little intro into the problem. Because sure. it's, it's all right, so the startup's called Patent Plus, and you have to know some things about the patent market to kind of understand where we bring value to the, the consumer. So when you, when you file a patent um, or when you invent something, uh, in order to file a patent, you have to know how novel that invention is, right? So what you have to do is you'll have to perform a patent search 
Um, and you can do that by hiring an outside consultant to do the search for you. Or you can uh, do it yourself on platforms like Google Patents, and there's a couple of paid platforms you can use as well. Uh, but typically, a combination of the two is applied. So some people, you know, will generate queries themselves, read through the database, decide whether they want to move on to a consultant, and then the consultant will do the majority of the search. The problem um, with these methods of searching is even if you are a consultant, everyone has to use these platforms that require you to create these long Boolean queries. Um, so when you you know when you're searching through the database, you have to add keywords and then add modifiers to those keywords, like an end or statement. Um, it's kind of tough to describe. So you're doing more. like you're typing into a database. Uh, maybe an example would be like open parentheses or like um, open quotes, like fire extinguisher, and then comma fire comma extinguisher and so you're doing all of these like simple modifiers sort of yeah so it's it's the yeah basically i mean you have to add you add like and or so like fire and extinguisher or like i don't know a fire sound. extinguisher one word yeah, yeah or exactly yeah so you're you're just adding different things to modify the syntax but okay generally i mean the reason it's hard to you know describe is because it's a not it's not an easy process most people will end up just you know kind of settling for what they can get and then relying on the consultant for the majority of the searching. Sure. Um, so what we want to do is we want to use AI to empower the user to perform high-quality patent searches without these Boolean queries uh, and doing so from uh, just a very simple kind of free text input, mm -hmm. meaning uh, someone would just describe their invention to our software. Uh, our software would ask them questions, just structure that data. They describe the, their invention to our software, and then we cross-reference it with the patent database using AI. And then we would actually help them sort through the results using AI once again, uh, basically having them grade uh, the AI's results. So how does the AI interact with your customer and how does the AI interact with the database? Okay, so I'll start with the database because this is, this is the part we've done the most of the work on. The, the latter end, we still have a lot of work to do. But on the, on the, in the first part where the AI cross-references uh, your invention with the patent database, Right now, we're, we're benchmarking a lot of different uh, model architectures, and I don't know how heavy you want me to get into this stuff, but um, we, we, right now, I think the, the best model to do so would be BERT, which was released by Google in 2018. It's a bi-directional encoder. I don't know the rest. Something transformer. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, the whole idea here is that this, this model is called a sentence transformer, and what it does is it takes the words... Um, and will essentially embed them in vectors. So, you, you know, a vector, like a three-dimensional vector, right? Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. So it has coordinates going X, then Y, then Z to locate it in that three-dimensional field, sure. right? The way AIs understand words is it does it in like a 700-dimension field. So there are 700 dimensions, each with their own individual coordinates, right? And it stores the meaning of a word in that vector field. Uh, and those dimensions represent case and letter and so it, it well it depends on the model some are case sensitive some aren't but um generally why is there 700 700 dimensions well it depends on the model so um it, it's it's like you know there are some models that do 300 some do 700 some are highly dimensional but the whole idea here is that it it has to understand where this word falls against other words in this vector space and those words depend on the context as well so um, basically what's happening here is it's using the distance between two points on a vector field to determine how similar words are to each other. Huh? Yeah. Maybe somebody else will understand that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's actually, all right, hold on. I'll, I'll break it down super simply. I hit your dog real quick. Sorry. Um, okay. but yeah, all right, so 
you know, you have, um, let's say there's a sentence, you know, I walk with my dog, right? Okay. Or my dog walks with me, right? We'd want these two sentences to be represented very close to each other on a vector field, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what, what's going to happen is, is the encoder is going to go through the uh, sentence and individually tokenize each word, each word having its own vector, 700 dimension mm -hmm. vector embedding. What it's going to do to determine the similarity of these two sentences is it's going to calculate the distance between each word, right? And then basically take that distance. Oh. Yeah. And then take that distance and to compare it to see if how similar the... Does it compare the distance between each word and also each set of words, like in a um, what's what's the word like C uh, permutation? Like, does it also uh, calculate walk with dog and walk with and walk? Yeah, so it, it does. It does take in. So the the whole idea with that bidirectional encoder I mentioned is that it encodes it both forward and backward in the sentence so it oh, understands cool, cool. how each word relates on either side of the word on either side of the word um and then it relates sentences to each other by and this is s bert it's it's a sentence variation of that bert model i was talking about it has something called a pooling layer so it averages the words across and it basically computes mm -hmm. one vector embedding you know averaging the words all across so there's like a sentence block yes there can cool. be a, a block of you know a block of vectors that it would equal a sentence. Cool, cool. Damn, that's awesome. And this is this is stuff that Google did. Yeah. So Google Google came out with Bert in 2018. Came out with the sentence variation of Bert in 2019, um, and then has added you know many different variations of that uh, sentence transformer model. But what's important is is that no other company in industry is currently using these sentence transformer models. They're using classical machine learning models like LSTMs and mm -hmm. things like that to um, you know to Com compute their vector embeddings and, and search through the database. So let's so let's get back to what you're doing. The the Bert, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> is something that you interact with and that Google made. And so you're interacting with Bert in some way, which we can get to, and then manipulating that. So you're kind of building on top of this Google software to turn it into a patent search. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what we're doing is. Uh, we're taking uh, invention disclosures, so inventors are disclosing their inventions, writing down what's novel about them. Uh, we then give that to the BERT model. The BERT model will take that uh, disclosure and compute a series of embeddings to understand, you know, all of these words and sentences and where they fit relative to each other. Mm -hmm. And then it will take patents, compute embeddings for those patents, and then do what's called cosine similarity. So computing the distance between each of those vector points mm -hmm. to determine how similar that disclosure is from to the or to the patent document. And so that's how it'll produce an initial initial search. So the patent document that already exists. Yes. Right, right, right. The whole patent database. So it has to do this over and over again to is every it, patent. So is it only taking into account text that the consumer uses, or can it use blueprints or anything like that? Can it use dimensions? So it, it so the, the current version of our model can't. That's the goal, is mm -hmm. to do both image processing, so taking, you know, Yeah, because I can figures. imagine, what's, what's that thing called where it's like there's a... Um, there's a front left, right, and then there's like a three-quarter view in the top left or something like that. What's that picture called? Um, not entirely sure. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and so I think if you could sort of, if that is or if you could standardize that across all of the patent searches, 
you could do an image search just on that just to see like if there's any object that looks like what i'm looking at yeah for sure i think image searching is going to be a big part of it other companies also do image searching so i don't want to see what the first because you could ex you could uh, describe a fire extinguisher any way you like but if you have a picture of that fire extinguisher and then you look up patents for a fire extinguisher, you'll you'll it'll see it right away. Yeah, but then, the 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 descriptions of these you know inventions are highly dimensional. So okay. I mean, in in the same light, you could also extract that same information from text and do a search that way. Sure. But an image is probably an easier way to input all of that because it's just a quick upload versus a whole description being written. Maybe that will be one of the questions that your uh, thing asks. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I think that... Uh, the dogs you know, are getting in trouble. <laughs> I think that uh, document upload and image upload will 100% be a big part of our platform. Um, uh -huh. It's just, it's all, it's all to, be, to be determined. So is your, is your platform interacting in the same way that a uh, consumer would interact with the patent program? Like, is, it, is there a, um, what would I call it, like... Do you, does your like platform have its own IP that's like artificially typing into the patent uh, search, or like how is it interacting with that? How's it with, the, with the database? Yeah, yeah. So with the with these sentence transformer models, they 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 sadly can't you know search through in every patent that's ever existed and produce an embedding score. It would just take a very long time. So what you have to do is you have to figure out ways to narrow down your data set before you use these very powerful models to do these similarity searches. Mm -hmm. um, so we, what we'd have to do is, and this is still something we're figuring out, is either filter it by some sort of classification code or have the AI automatically generate a query. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, its interaction with the patent database is you know, in creating an initial data set to be searched through. So your AI might have like a, a similarity score between one and five? Hopefully it's a little bit more, you know, uh, specific than that. And then you could say, you know, it might be like a, a discretionary value. You could be like, if you want to save computing power, you'd be like, all right, only save the one, only search the one searches, like the ones that are very, very similar. Exactly. Well, what you're hitting at is a very, uh, you know, well thought out, well practiced thing in industry and AI, which is, um, you, it's called retrieve and re-rank. So you retrieve what you believe are the most relevant results and you use a more powerful model to then re-rank those results. Um, mm. typically that would be used, uh, using a cross encoder or something like that. But uh, what you're hinting at is exactly what most AI companies will do in order to produce the most relevant searches. And so then are you the one who just, are you copying and pasting into the patent search, this Boolean query, or is the platform doing it itself? Yeah. The platform hundred percent is automating that process. So okay. the user, the user should definitely be able to query the database. I don't see mm -hmm. why you wouldn't add that feature, especially because it's so simple to do. Especially if you're like drunk and you want to, you just want to look. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think, and, and Google Patents is really good at that. I don't think it's a good idea to try to replace Google Patents. I think we, we're going to hit our own niche. But yeah, no, for sure. I think querying is important as well, for sure. So where'd you get this idea? Well, it's not it's not totally mine. I don't want to take credit for it. Um, it's, you know, my, my co-founder, his name's Masil. Uh, he, he was working a co-op at an intellectual property, in the, in the intellectual property department of a tech company. Um, and what he was doing, he got thrown into this role where it was like he was not prepared at all mm -hmm. relative to what the job required. It wasn't like an internship. Like someone was gone on a maternity leave and they needed to replace an important <laughs> position. So it was funny. Wow, wow. He just got thrown into it. And he was doing, he was responding to patent examiners, doing patent prosecution, performing patent searches himself. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we did this entrepreneurial competition uh, through KPMG. 
uh, we did the collegiate round of it and we won it. So we were like the team representing UConn. And that was with this idea oh, right. called, I came up with called Fit Plus. It was like this idea of like using RFID chips and gyms to like track your progress and creating an app that is no, it was a little side thing. But mm-hmm. basically, in short, the number one problem with gyms is they can't retain a lot of their members. They do great signing up. Retention sucks. Yeah. Uh, number one reason for low retention is you know people don't see the results they give up they don't they like oh this 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 sucks it's not mm-hmm. working so if there was a way to visualize those results show people that they're actually progressing um, you know it would decrease retention hence the using the RFID chips to track people's progress in the gym um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that but anyway so we, we we won this the first round of this competition and they flew us out to Dallas and this was like this regional awesome. round and they were like guess what like competitions tomorrow you guys have to scrap all your ideas from the last round and you have like 24 hours to come up with a good idea oh like, wow good luck so we're walking around Dallas we have to go to this this dinner and um, we just got to talk and we're like you know what are we interested in like what do we mm-hmm. want to talk what do we want to create an idea about we're talking about like, the environment we know that that's definitely a touchy subject we talked about political polling I remember mm. um, and then we eventually came around to just talking about his job and like you know what sucked about it and we and we just kind of kept going with that went down the ride home we were like hey and he you said know. it takes forever to search for patents yeah he's like that that sucks and it's also like it takes forever to get a patent and this was kind of where the original idea was and it's definitely take, departed from there but we were thinking you know if there's a way to expedite the patent process itself because mm-hmm. when you apply for a patent it takes two to four years to even get it and, oh, really? and that's and the examiner typically only takes like two weeks looking at it. Is this the gov the government? Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's like the DMV. Yeah, yeah. The patent yeah. office is is worse than the DMV. You know how I knew it was the government it's because you said two to four years. <laughs> yeah. It's how do you have a window slow. of delivery that's two years different? Yeah, it, it might come in two years. Two, or it might come in four years. years. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's it's so crazy. And and if you think about it, you know this it slows innovation coming to market. You know, yeah, yeah. People no. don't want to put things out that you know they they don't they can't protect. I tried to get a trademark for local board swap, uh-huh. and you had to send in a, a letter, like with a piece of paper and a check, and this was last year. And then like three months later, I get my check back and like all the stuff I sent, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is going on here? And it's it's so terrible how the government does things yeah i mean so slow yeah no it's it's incredibly slow and a lot of it is just lack of resources i mean examiners Mm -hmm. there's just not enough of them and there is a drastic increase in patent applications over the past 10 years i mean we saw them double i mean you're talking i think almost four million per year now i mean four million 50 page applications of very complex inventions that have to be reviewed so it's, a, it's just a big task for humans to do. Yeah. Which yeah. we were like, hey, maybe AI can take a stab at this. And we we looked down the government avenue, but as you know, selling to government sucks. Yes. And, yes, and yes. there are plenty of patent searching problems that exist in businesses, that startups that would be very quick to innovate and take, yeah, take a think, new platform. I think you were right to start on the outside. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. But that's, uh, that's how it kind of started. We were like, hey, mm-hmm. it takes so long to get one. What's up here? And then uh, we met LeBron James. That was oh, just, did you? just very random. Like huh. we, were, we were just walking. In, in Dallas, and um, this homeless person comes up to us, and our, really a whole group of students, and they're like, you know, asking for money, and I really didn't have cash on me. I had like my debit card. That was it. Well, they're gonna um, use it for heroin anyway. <laughs> anyway, they they you know they're like you know asking for money, and I'm like I don't have anything, and maybe the other people in our group had it, but they didn't want to. I don't know what they what was their deal. Okay. But then someone's like, hey, like you know, you guys are like assholes, right? And we turn around, and it's LeBron. 
And we're like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, LeBron. You're like, joking. No, I'm so serious. This is what it was. LeBron and Anthony Davis. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and they're like, and, he, and yeah, and he's like, you guys are assholes. LeBron called you an asshole. Yeah, it was like our group. He didn't look sure, at me and call sure. me an asshole, but yeah, basically. Can I ask you the race of your group and at on average? I don't know. It was a it was a good. You're all pretty group. mixed. Yeah, it was a good mix of people. Um, but yeah, wow, it was like that's crazy. You know, yeah, he's just like, you know, and then someone's like, can we get a picture? And he's like, fuck no. And then he went to his steakhouse. Oh, my good. Did he give any money to the homeless guy? I don't think so. I, what uh, Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe on the way out, he gave him a steak. Yeah, he might have he threw him a five. I don't know. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. I, I was just shocked. I was like, LeBron just called us an asshole. That was so cool. That was too cool. It was so random. Wow, that's cool. And then we ended up winning that competition, and that was absolutely nuts i remember the moment we're sitting in this like like i don't know this crazy tall building near the top floor and we're just looking over like the dallas like you know whole city yeah i love dallas yeah dallas is a cool city a lot of homeless people though a ton of homeless people but um which were all actually very nice um the homeless people there were, were super cool we, I, we hung out with some homeless people. On a tangent, the homeless people generally aren't from Dallas. They they become homeless and then they travel somewhere where it's nice to be homeless. Okay. I don't know too much about homeless people. But that's that sounds cool. I used to be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the homeless people were really cool. But anyway, we're sitting on the top of this like really high building, and um, we're looking out, and uh, we're we're sitting with all the teams that competed in that competition. I'm feeling great. I feel like we just murdered it. My co-founder is feeling the opposite. He's just sitting there, and he's just being hard on himself. And, like, he's just like, yeah, we didn't do a good job. Like, this sucks. Like, we just blew it. We had this big opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting next to him. And, I'm like, and our whole – we have a whole team. We had four of the people, but they didn't really – you know, they were, like, they were over there just, like, you know, networking, doing in, in any team. In any team, yeah. that's the case. Yeah, but, um, you know, Masil's sitting there, and I'm just like, hey, man, like, if we don't win, like, something is wrong here. Like, I feel like, you mm-hmm. know, we deserve this, man. Like, you're fine. Relax. And then, you know, they announce the winner. They turn around the big check, and it says UConn on it. And we all, like, you oh, know. Oh, shit. And it was – that is definitely the highest dopamine I've ever hit in my life. Like, oh, that right was on. that was such a insane moment. And it was – it felt like – it felt unreal. And we also got tickets to Hamilton, which was pretty dope. Good which we you. skipped. We didn't – I didn't go to Hamilton um, because – It's nice that you got tickets, though. It was cool. But it was – that was that moment, like <laughs> – Your favorite part about Hamilton was not going to Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to go. It's just like – it was the, the – what – it was, you know, we went to the national round after that, and it was like the yeah. night before the competition. And I was like, I'm not gonna go see a play. I'm that's, gonna go work. That's very silly. Yeah, but that moment was just so awesome, and I've never, to this day, I don't think I've ever felt that like proud of something. You know, what awesome. I mean? And that's how we start. That's how the startup started, and then we we rode that dopamine wave right to this moment. Right on. Well, dopamine is the uh, the molecule of motion, so that. I definitely felt like we moved. Yeah, well, no, I brought you an emotion. I'm sure you got up uh, and jumped around when you won. Hell yeah. You know what's weird? We're from Jersey. We don't realize how, like, extroverted people are from Jersey and how, like, outgoing. We're a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I go to Connecticut, like, a Connecticut college, and, like, we're... We're, we're looked at, we're like, oh my God, these, these people are crazy. Oh, God forbid you go to California. You look somebody in the eyes, they'll just shit themselves. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've right. never been to the West Coast before. I'll, I call it like breaking the fourth wall. Like if you bump into somebody at a grocery store, an NPC will just be like, <laughs> you know, and they just like don't look at you. But I'm like, oh, like, sorry, dude. Like, I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, and you like look at them and you break the fourth wall. You know, like, you know what that means? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, like, people in California just don't do that. Like, really? they just they just don't become, like, 
personable at all. It sucks. Really? So you don't like California? I love the nature. If there's nobody there. <laughs> hmm. yeah. I yeah, dude, that California just sounds so cool. I, I would love to it's go fantastic. there. Fantastic. Palm trees everywhere which aren't from there. You know, people everywhere that aren't from there. And just like homeless people everywhere. That sounds great. It's great. Yeah. That sounds awesome. <sighs> but it is what it is. I'm here. And uh, it's really not bad. If you can live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Mm. That's a good question. It depends on how much money I have, really. If I have all the money in the world, no, nah, maybe I'll start with, if I have the amount of money that I have right now, suppose I would live in like Delaware, or maybe Virginia Beach. Nice. I would move somewhere a little bit more red, just so it would get a little cheaper. And then, um, yeah. What about you? Right here. Yeah. I live right here. I love it. It's the people, bro. Yeah. I, I have so many friends and family here. And I think that's that's the thing I've learned the most about going away. Is that, like, I love being around the people I care about, for mm-hmm. sure. You know what I mean? Like, you think you want to... I, I want to travel everywhere. Like, I, I love going on vacation. I'm going to do Europe this summer, hopefully. Um, but, like, I... My goal in life is... This, this is this is my outline. I want to build companies, like, just, you know... Sure. Serial entrepreneurs, so just build, exit... Mm -hmm. start a new one and then i want to travel everywhere and i want to just have my home base with my family here in jersey and then just Uh, travel everywhere and build that's 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 the move for me that's lovely yeah i hope you get there i really hope so too we're starting the first mountain right now but it's looking more like a hill Mm -hmm. but we're we're trying to make it a mountain so what's uh what's the limiting factor for you right now is it just you doing science is it money is it uh technology what's what's wrong yeah well things have accelerated now more than ever but we're only doing product development now we've we've almost exclusively done more business development activities for like a year year and a half and that's mostly because i didn't know anything about ai and it really came when that that guy we gave vested equity to his name's brian hance he joined the team and he just you know opened up my eyes to ai development and that's that's what like you know that's what changed everything because then we've just been doing ai development since july so it's yeah is he kind of like an angel investor no, no, Brian's an undergrad student. Oh. Um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a developer, um, and he's he's just a whiz. He he introduced mm-hmm. me to so many. Like, I, we didn't even know about Bert, and that's and that's the crazy thing is that oh. a, a lot of a lot of these you know, these models and these things that we're working with are relatively new. Yeah. So a lot of things that we're doing is just keeping our ears to the ground, reading. We re, we read so many research papers, like. Um, you know, just, just combing through Google Scholar and reading what people are doing. And people, you know, in academia, will they want to publish their work. So mm-hmm. we're, we're really working on, like, the, you know, cutting edge of NLP. Uh, and that's, that's what Brian Daisy introduced us to a lot of this stuff, as well as being a developer himself mm-hmm. and training models and things like that. What's, what, you said NLP? What is that? Natural language processing. Hmm. Good for you. That's kind of exciting. Um, have you listened to the Lex Friedman podcast? Yeah, I love Lex. Yeah, I love so Lex. that's like... He's that, big in AI. I, I feel like feel like you're on the Lex Friedman podcast right now. Yeah, right. There's, have you? I was thinking about. I was when I came here. I was like, I was thinking about what podcast I wanted this to like emulate the most, and I was like, Lex. Friedman. Oh, I feel the same way. Yeah, I feel the very. That's exa- that's why I have questions like this, like Joe Rogan. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's, he's like, no, nah, I don't need questions. That's not how he talks. Yeah. But like, well, well, he he does it for like the big ones, you know. Probably like Bernie came on mm-hmm. and like Elon and like when he has like those kind of caliber, like you know, influence in the world type people. Yeah, but I think there's something special about asking somebody prepared questions who doesn't think they deserve prepared questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's how you, that's how I want to get to like the best part. 
And also, I'm like kind of awkward sometimes with like certain kinds of people. Uh-huh. It's very nice to have like a little backbone. Dude, you started this thing off very smooth. You're like, so, like caffeine. <laughs> like, I, I was like, wow, right into it. Well, and we were good. already talking. We so were you, already you're talking. You're like a pro. You're like a pro with the, <laughs> with the podcast already. Because I most podcasts I hear, like, what if I'm like a new podcaster, is generally like they do their intro. Like, how you doing, man? You know what I mean? It's one of those. <laughs> So I thought it was good. Well, you must not have listened to the last two. <laughs> I didn't. This is podcast number three. So maybe it's just the lucky one. There you go. Uh, how far down are we on that question list? Oh, not very far at all. So I'm going to keep going. Go for it. For one reason or another, you seem to have made your way through a good amount of school successfully. A good amount of school successfully. Why do so many people say that school sucks? Can we steal man high school and college for a second? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, yeah. So I've been through three years of schooling and then a fourth year of, of co-oping and school sucks because I, mean, I, I still stand by school sucks. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with that. Um, I just, I'm, I love my college experience, but the way it was structured from the beginning, I feel like it could have been a lot more productive. Like I would love to go back. Number one, I would make an individualized major and I recommend that to anyone who's, you know, has any kind of, you know, ability to think for themselves because, um, you know, I did mechanical engineering, but the majority of the work I'm doing isn't even mechanical engineering. You made your own major. I would love to, I want, I was, I'm trying to see if I can switch it for the last semester, but I just think I'm too, too deep. Yeah. You're, you're pretty far down the road. Yeah. It would have to be like mechanical engineering adjacent, like Mm -hmm. AI mechanical engineering, or like they just announced a new robotics major at my school and I would have loved to take Mm -hmm. in that. But uh, it's starting in like right when I graduate, so it's not ideal. So why does it suck? What was the inefficiency that you observed? Well, I definitely felt a complete disconnect between the, my classes and then the things I was doing outside of class that were actually productive. I didn't feel like it related. Maybe part of that is mm-hmm. the major I chose. I think maybe if I chose computer science, it would have been a lot more related. Um, but I, I also think that, you know, there there was just a lack of, you know, Lack of connection to industry and a lot of the things I was doing. Academia mm-hmm. promotes academia. You know? Yes, yes. You're, you're in undergrad, and a lot of the work that you're doing and the classes you're taking are preparing you for graduate school and not preparing you for industry. That's, I'm glad. I was going to say exactly what you said in a much more long-winded manner. Academia promotes academia. Yeah. I think I think that's completely true, and I I don't have a problem with it. I think I'm gonna go into grad school. I think I'm gonna do maybe an MBA or you know mm-hmm. some other program. I don't I don't know yet. But you would fly through an MBA. Yeah, I would. I mean, the the great thing about an MBA, uh, if you're going to a school that's very good, like Stanford, or you're going to you know Harvard Business or whatever. It's the connection. Know, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's all the network. I wouldn't do an MBA if it wasn't for the networking. Right. You know, right. it's not the education I can learn on my own. Especially with all the resources online. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, like how um, so many people say that school sucks. Like you'll ask, like a maybe not like a first grader, but pretty much anywhere above like primary school, everybody hates it. I I think school's awesome. Class sucks. You know, mm-hmm. like UConn has done so. M- I have I cannot be more grateful for the things they've done for me. They've given me almost $30,000 to play around with with a startup. They've given me a crazy amount of connections. I mean, I'm hopping on a, a call next week with, you know, ex-Google, ex-Stanford, like, you know, awesome. the, yeah, all the all the 
startup checkboxes you can think of this maybe person's been through. maybe when you finally make it on the lex friedman podcast you'll have some uh you'll have some mutual friends yeah because he used to work at google yeah yeah and then he's he's big mit guy too right oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah um that'd be see exactly that's the thing is like you know if you're in these circles you kind of just get introduced to other really smart people and things just go well for you you know and that's what's great about grad school at a good school. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the th- this this kind of comes back to my larger point about why I, I like school and don't like classes is because these schools create kind of an in for you to get into like you know uh, certain circles within industry. I mean, I I have you know I know the people to reach out to if I want to go get in touch with someone who works at you know Google in New York and I want to go work there mm-hmm. because of my network that I built at school. But that would have never come in my classes. You know, yeah. but being at UConn did that for me. Yeah, so that's school not, is awesome. That's not going to happen while you're sitting in the lecture hall, but it's going to happen on your way home from the lecture hall. Exactly. Right, yeah. right, right. So school is awesome. It's a breeding ground for innovation. I work in the commercialization department of my school, so I'm just looking at new research, new inventions, and helping commercialize that. Awesome. And there's a ton of work to be done there. I think it has to improve a lot, but there's so much innovation done at schools. It just It's, it's the undergraduate structure that I have a problem with. Hmm. This is only my third podcast, so I don't have my own playbook yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you the magic wand question. Well, Jake, if you had a magic wand, so you are simultaneously... Well, let's not go with this yet. If you, oh, if you had a magic say. wand, okay. we'll go later. It's fun. If you had a magic wand and you were the president of UConn... Well, what would you say the president of the United States. Well, I had a lot to say. What would you do? I was the president of UConn. Whoa. I don't even know what the president of UConn has the power to do, but I'm going to pretend they just are the, yeah, let's the, pretend the it's... infinite overlord of UConn. Sure. Um, I think oh, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a great question. I actually want to put thought into this. Um, I, think, I think it's you need, to, you need to open up the majors a little more in some way. I don't know what that looks like. I don't want to act like I have all the answers, but like you need to have some way for students to kind of carve out their own paths within their major and connect that to industry. Like we need to be, we need to be asking students where they want to work their freshman year. You know, you mm-hmm. got to pose that question earlier rather than later. Cause there are too many students that get posed that question their senior year and they say they don't know, you know, and it takes a lot of time to, you know, build the skills to go into a certain field, especially if it's in an innovative field or a fast growing field, you right, know, right. things are moving quickly and just your classes aren't going to skate by. So I don't, I don't want to pretend I have all the answers, but I think introducing industry earlier and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, connecting that to their classes, I think would be awesome. So now what the actual question says, if you had a magic wand and you are simultaneously president of the United States yes. and techno king of tesla and spacex oh, i love that title, that title <laughs> i can't believe that's 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 official yeah so you simultaneously hold debatably the the world's largest military and you have access to that was such a random thing to throw in at the end all of the capital in the world and the most uh, advanced technology in uh general ai and aeronautics and aerospace so what I'm, would you I'm do? Elon Musk and I'm the president. You're Elon Musk because Elon and Musk Joe co-founded Biden. OpenAI, which just came out with this awesome model called GPT-3, and it is like arguably like the best AI ever. So like, what are you doing with it? 
Yeah. I, by the way, I want you to try that. Like, there's a chatbot that you can use sure. on your on with GPT three and talk to it. It is scary intelligent. Like, it'll have a witty conversation and outwit you. It's weird. oh boy, it's crazy. And these came out pretty recently. I'm sure you spend a lot of time on that late at night. No, not, not too much. My, 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 my co-founder did, and he asked such weird questions to it, and it had weird answers. It's self-aware. You can talk. It compares itself to other models and what it thinks about other models, wow. and it's super weird. But anyway, okay, okay. Well, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to introduce uh, like an insane amount more of direct democracy. I'm done with the republic i'm done Mm -hmm. with representation i think these people are easily corrupted and we need to just vote on more things of course we need people to decide what things to vote on but with something like legal marijuana we did in new jersey very successful people were super happy Yeah. what was the percentage on that 75 it was huge it was crazy and 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 people look at that as oh it's a liberal it's a conservative issue no it was just a it was you know the populace wanted it of course 25 percent of people need to just go fuck themselves. I don't know what, what's wrong with them, why they want to do that to people, but they want to jail people. I think maybe people. a larger percentage than 25 of the population needs to go fuck themselves. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, like that direct democracy. And that's, this is going to gonna you know be the whole theme of what I'm saying here. We need direct democracy. We need ranked choice voting. Yeah. So ranked choice voting is the concept of... Uh, you know, having a first choice, and if that person doesn't, you know, do well, you have a second choice fallback. So this is why people voted for, you know, Joe Biden or people voted for Trump. Uh, you know, it's because most people didn't like those people as their number one choice, but they would rather that than the opposite. Right. So uh, I voted. Um, oh, so I see. So if your if your number one doesn't go, it's not like your vote pretty much goes to the other person exactly right 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 right. exactly so it's a way that people could actually dissent and then you i think you'd be very surprised how quickly these parties went down so now that you're saying this if i i can sort of see how like the whole democratic primary could be done and like it's sort of like after the debates go and you rank everybody one to five it's sort of like everybody puts their they quantize their opinions on these people in like a very simple way yeah, I agree. You know what's weird about the, the primaries, with at least the Democratic primary I can talk to? When voter turnout is high in the Democratic primary, establishment candidates lose. In the in the general election, when voter turnout is high, Democratic candidates win. So what they do is is they don't want people to show up for the primaries, and they want people to show up for the general election. Mm-hmm. That's why you see all this push to vote, but only on the general election, because yeah, yeah. you don't want someone like Hillary Clinton have a high young voter turnout. It's not going to go well for yeah, her. Yeah, because God forbid everybody watch Tulsi Gabbard. Right. Yeah. Tulsi. Tulsi's gone hard conservative lately, though. She's going, yeah, yeah. She's, she's gone hard conservative all over Fox News yeah, and stuff she's, like that. She's. I don't know. She just gave it. Give a hard right turn out of nowhere. It's. I don't know if it's a marketing angle. I don't know what happened there because she's had the same platform. Yeah. I don't know what's going on she's with her. Hanging out with Jocko Willing too much. Yeah, I like Jocko Willing. <laughs> Jiu Jitsu's awesome. Awesome. On the... That's what I would do. Just hella democracy, hella populism. I'm I'm a left leaning libertarian, just the bottom left of the political compass. Yeah, we we don't have to um, we don't have to get into the technical aspect of it too much. But there's a lot of Bitcoin involved in what you're saying. Bitcoin, or excuse me, blockchain involved in like direct democracy as far as like well, that decentralized finance would probably have some place in that. I have no idea what that would look like. But well, it's... just like voting as far as like decentralized autonomous organizations. Oh, like, sure, sure. Like sure. Bradley Beach. I was talking about this with Julian the other day. Like Bradley Beach could have like a D a DAO, and like they would decide how much budget like the um, the public works people get. That'd be cool. Because, oh, well, I, I don't have to go into this again because we talked about it already. Um, but there's a lot there. But, well, let's keep going. On the topic of Elon Musk, well, the other day I watched an interview with him on the Wall Street Journal's YouTube page. Uh, and I thought I might 
bring up a few talking points to chat about. Okay. Just so we could get specific about it. So on the topic of engineering, Elon Musk says that most orbital rockets bring about 2% of mass to orbit. Okay. And that with Starship, the largest rocket of all time, will be approaching 4% of mass to orbit in order to succeed. And it will be fully reusable. There's probably a lot there for you to run with, and I'll let you go in a second. But can you maybe explain to the listeners what he means when he says percentage of mass to orbit? And he also explains that there's efficiency gains when you have a very large rocket rather than a very small rocket. Um, so maybe you could talk about that as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm even qualified to talk about it. I mean, I, I know some things about, you know, um, aerospace, but I don't know if I know enough to, to accurately describe what he's talking about there. I mean, what's I know what's awesome about Elon Musk and SpaceX is that we have reusable rockets for the first time, which is really cool. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's cool that we have a private company that's going to start or it's already has been launching satellites into orbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been a public sector thing. And I, and I like the fact that, you know, NASA has been grossly underfunded. So the fact that we have something, an arm of at least, you know, the United States, even though it's private, still something that's working toward our best interest. And especially since we they can really only hire U.S. employees. So it's big mm-hmm. for the economy because yeah. it's considered a weapon of war or something like that. And you can't hire foreign workers to work on that. Yeah. Did you know that's why Elon was uh, got in trouble for smoking weed on Joe Rogan's podcast? Really? Because he has security clearance due to his relationship with nasa uh-huh. and in order to keep security clearance need to pass a drug test oh so that's why he got a drug test off of smoking once no off of like that little toke no yeah. but that's that's the reason oh okay oh his stock tanked i feel like it was more than that with the reason his stock tanked right well the reason his stock tanked was i people I'm, were just immature i'm not sure it. but that's why he didn't like that's actually a genuine reason people, people yeah were, were just concerned. being immature and they need to go fuck themselves yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but to, to your original question, I don't I don't think I'm smart enough to describe what you're talking about. Percentage of mass to orbit. You don't know what that is? So what, the percentage of things that are just brought to orbit, like, in general? Sure, so I can unpack it for sure, you. Sure, go, go I'm, ahead. Since I'm more qualified. You're very, you have to be, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it well enough. Percentage of mass to orbit is presumably the percentage of the rocket that is in orbit as opposed to on the launch pad okay okay so i suppose what would not make it to orbit is fuel that's launched inside of the app fuel that's burnt inside of the atmosphere boosters that are you know expelled throughout the uh launch phase and it's just kind of crazy to me to hear that only two percent of that rocket makes it all the way up that's pretty cool it's pretty shitty why is that I mean, they need a lot of you know, I know, energy but to like, propel it up there. 90, that makes sense. 98% of your rocket fucking explodes every time you use it? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's cool you need to hell see. hell of fuel. You need hella, oh, my goodness, yeah. Thrust. But the fact that he's trying to double it is awesome. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the more, the less, I mean, the less things that you have to use to get up, the more efficient it is by nature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it sounds great if it doubles the efficiency of that. And... So the next question was was talking about uh, efficiency gains with large things rather than small things. Yeah. Maybe even not pertaining to rockets. Could we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's 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 true when it comes to you know almost anything, right? I mean, the more the larger something is, the the more components that you can have to increase the efficiency of it. Whether it's a battery, whether it's you know even just buying products in bulk, right? I mean, yeah. the more of something you have, generally the you know the more things you can do with it leading to a higher efficiency. 
So is there some sort of equation you could highlight about that? Or like, how could somebody understand that without just like being told? An equation? Um, I don't know if I can come up with an equation for it on the spot. But I mean, if I were to describe something like that in layman's terms, I would say that, you know, you have a container, right? You have a you know certain boundary, which you're allotting to build something in, whether it's a phone, a computer, a rocket, whatever it is, right? And, um, you know, as you increase that container, what you do is you don't just increase the size of the components that you put in there, but you also can, you know, put different types of components in there and add increase in quantity of components as well. So the larger you make something, the more, you know, room that you have to add more innovative and therefore efficient components. Okay. Sure. And the larger container that you have. Nice. I think that's a nice way to sum it up. Yeah, sure. Uh, something else that he says, which isn't exactly related to that, is that like the brain of the rocket, like the the computer that uh, calculates the rocket's like trajectory, mm -hmm. is the same size for a small rocket and a massive rocket. That also so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially yeah, if you're if you're gonna have you know a computer on board, I I, I can't imagine that a, a a giant increase in processing power will come from you know having. 50 meters of space i mean you're you're talking like a computer the size of this table versus two tables that will double the processing power mm -hmm. and if you're making a much larger spaceship that amount of space is almost negligible yeah i'd assume so yeah that makes sense to me i've also heard him say things like this is why like big ocean liners are like huge you know mm -hmm. and you use like a dinghy to like get back and forth between shore yeah but since neither of us know that much about that um we could go to you know our strong suits sure. which is talking shit about the government i love talking shit about the government national debt yes oh boy seven trillion in spending four trillion in revenue there's three trillion in losses this is this is last year uh-huh most money ever printed right it's, it's like what 90 percent of the money ever printed has been in the last year or something like I that i think it's like 40 40 th but it, some crazy number either way maybe i'm awful. way off but that's it mean, some crazy number of it elon musk said in that same interview quote something really bad is going to happen end quote with hyperinflation just with regarding to what they just they just highlighted what we just talked about a bunch of spending three trillion dollars in losses incredible national debt and he said something really bad is going to happen can I get your thoughts on that? Maybe can we speculate about what very bad things are going to happen? Yeah. Uh, I'm no economist to speculate on the very bad things about hyperinflation. We can look at other countries where, you know, things have gone particularly bad. Yeah, Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. Ethiopia. I mean, there's plenty of countries where hyperinflation has, you know, run rampant and caused very bad things. Um, but just let's take a step back and talk about the origins of the national debt and how this thing got so terrible. So the grandfather of the national debt is is Ronald Reagan, right? During Cold War, we mm -hmm. used our country like a credit card, outspent the Soviet Union, <laughs> and bankrupted them, you know, which we destroyed them. We spent yeah. a hell of money, $3 trillion in debt. Um, and it was just, it was absolutely crazy how much money we spent. Um, and then, you know, people started to realize, hey, oh, it really starts with, with Nixon, right? Getting off the gold mm -hmm. standard. That's really the origin of this. But and then, waging the war on drugs. Right. Well, that was a whole different story. That was, that was terrible. We can get into that, but that's definitely not related to the, to the debt. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Nixon got off the gold standard. That's how they make their money. Yeah. Do you want to hear something? Do you want to hear something interesting? Keep going. Yes. That's that's funny, but um, that's also true. But you know, it's it's interesting. So when Nixon got off the gold standard, right? And this is the the reason was because we were spending a lot of money in the Vietnam War. And we needed to print more. Mm -hmm. We needed just more money to fight the war, right? So Nixon's like, all right, let's get off the gold standard, 
right? And we're going to just turn our currency into a fiat currency. France sent a warship. They literally sent a warship off the East Coast, right? And they were like, give us our gold back. Because the United States had all the world's gold, right? Mm -hmm. And the U.S. was like, nah, like, you good. Like, you can you can like go send your warship the fuck home. And, we, and that's what happened. Like, we, we just, just really? changed the entire way the world's currency worked because we, we were holding everyone's gold. Do we still have their gold? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's so crazy, right? People don't talk about that. It's so crazy. But, yeah, we, we went off the gold standard and changed the way the entire world's currency worked because people were basing it on the U.S. dollar because it was so safe. Um, and, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan was the first president to really exploit the fact that we can just infinitely inflate our currency with no ends. Um, and, and that trend generally continued until Bill Clinton, uh, when he balanced the budget, um, one of the, pretty much the only president in modern history to do so after the gold standard. Um, and then... George W. Bush starts the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and spending gets crazy out of hand again. 9-11 happens, which just changed the world, right? Patriot mm -hmm. Act, and spending got even more out of hand. Um, and then, you know, Obama continues this trend, high military spending. Um, again, debt continues to get out of hand. Trump continues this, and it just keeps, ball keeps getting kicked down the mm -hmm. line, right? Every president pretty much, in hella insane military budget, um, and tax cuts, you know, all around generally and uh yeah not ideal not ideal so, so now here we are right biden presidency and insane amount of debt. so what is this very bad thing that's going to happen can you just i know I all caveats I, aside i know you're not qualified to yeah, think about definitely it. not qualified uh, this is don't take my advice on this but i'm not an economist but anyway i mean hyperinflation right that's that's the the big worry is that we just keep printing more and more money um and Right now, I think it's you need to have like you know you need to have debt. Debt is a good thing. Just mm -hmm. the the way we've done it is bad. So, you know, like when COVID happened, I think it was a good idea to go into debt. We need to stimulate the economy. Just the problem is, is we can't do this every time. The we can't have an economy that never crashes. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing here is we're just keep pushing the crash down the road, overdue, overdue, until eventually the crash comes and it ends up being so catastrophic. Right. Yeah, it's like I, Julian was talking about the same thing where it's like the forest fire thing where you prevent the small forest fire in the beginning and then you get what happens in Australia. Right. I don't know. I mean, I know their whole country burned, but that's well, because people prevented small that might fires be, first. That might be an old adage. And I'm sure that if I know that, that firefighters know that. That's why I might be silly for saying that. But what the the what they say is that they're is some degree of a forest fire that is natural, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's old dead wood that needs to be burned. Right. Oh, I see. And I if see. it's not very hot of a fire, then the live trees oh, won't get burned. Oh, look at that. But if you stop it, then you get this huge fire. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, you, you have now you have hella dead wood, and eventually mm -hmm. that the bill's gonna come. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's this. That's what I predict will happen. That bill will come. We can't push the economy from crashing forever, and and that bill comes in the form of communism. <laughs> i don't believe so but i think it comes in the form of an insane depression that's what i think yeah yeah i mean democracy in, the, in this form did survive through through many things through the 20s um and the 30s so i'm very worried about the state of democracy though for sure. sure for sure i'm very worried about it i don't know if it's tied to rapid spending i'm sure it's it's affected rapid spending but this is a greater societal issue i feel mm -hmm. um and i think it's I think the government takes advantage of crisis events and that, you know, we'll, we'll continue to limit all of the, the things that we enjoy as crisis events come. 9-11 is the, the worst example, most egregious example of it. 
COVID, it's it's happened as well. I think giving the government more power generally is not a good idea. I think mm-hmm. we need to, you know, increase government programs. Well, it's interesting because as Americans, rights. as Americans, we don't want the government to have too much power, but we also want America to have power. Meaning, like, we want to be better than China, but we don't want to give our, you know, rights to the government. Yeah. So it's like, how do you accomplish that without sacrificing your values? Well, with China, I think we need to make a global coalition and, and enact an insane trade war. That's what I think we need to do with China. I don't think, I think we should sanction them for their human rights violations. I think they're very, very dangerous to the world. Um, and especially what they've done with Uyghur Muslims is just terrible. And I think that, uh, you know. Yeah, it's crazy how many people won't say that. Yeah, well, just well, like, well, people won't say it because there is corporate interest in China. That's the real issue, mm-hmm. is that you have platforms. Like your buddy LeBron James. Yeah, like LeBron. What an asshole. Right, I saw that thing he did on Twitter. That that was that was messed up, where he, he wouldn't acknowledge something when China says there are some things you ignore, right? He said oh, that. my goodness. Yeah, that's, that is terrible. Um, but, you know, that, that's that's just, you know. But, yeah, to your point. Interest. This, to is your... The, uh, this is the problem with centralizing so many things, because a lot of people have interests that don't align with the populace to your point about the trade war as opposed to a cold war or a hot war um, please don't don't do that exactly so i think that's the best way for things to go and if uh i mean president trump started that a little bit you know he i think he did a pretty good job as far as the um sanctions go maybe maybe he didn't publicly speak out about the um the concentration camps enough but i I agree with how you're saying that that's the best course of action for things to turn around. Yeah, I think I think the way Trump did it was too America-minded. You know what I mean? I think he needs mm-hmm. to create a global coalition. I think the same thing has to be done by climate change. We need more global coalitions. I think people will have be hesitant about that. They like the globalist Alex Jones, you know mm-hmm. the whole thing. <laughs> but I do think global coalitions are generally a good idea. I have a liberal view of world politics. Um, and I think that more things can be accomplished if we create more global initiatives and stick to them. That's the, that's the problem. Yeah. People don't, they don't stick to they them. They do not. They do yeah, not. That's, that's the issue. You need to have strong leadership to, to pull it off. And but, a Bitcoin maximist would say at this very moment that this is where the blockchain comes in. Right. Decentralized finance and, and all that. That sounds great, especially because we can't, you know, infinitely inflate Well, not that. even decentralized finance. It's like, do you know what a smart contract is? I, 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 you know what? I read a white paper about some patent-based startup that uses smart contracts in, in the blockchain. So pretty much, I don't know too much about it. It's like it's an Ethereum-based. I might be able to work on other things, but it's an Ethereum-based protocol where like you write um, code into a block, pretty much, and so that block can do whatever you want. It can be like uh, at five o'clock, I'm gonna pay Jake Winter five dollars, mm-hmm. and then that code will interact with the real world and then execute. So real world meaning a an atomic clock, which would determine when it's five o'clock. But you could have something. So the Oracle in this case could be a, a CO2 meter on the top or maybe on the end of your vehicle or on the top of a power plant. And as soon as that CO2 meter uh, uh, approaches the threshold and uh, passes it uh, based on what the UN says, mm-hmm you send a bill to clean ocean action oh. or whatnot. That's um, interesting. So you can't just like not do it because right, it's already the in, in there. Yeah. It's already in the code. And as soon as it happens, you're done. Right. But people can mess with those sensors though. It's oh, not. Com- right. Yes. I mean, there's going to be anything you can like right. think down. Well, I'm the sure road. there's a way around things, but I, I see a lot of initial problems with that, but I'm sure they can be worked around. Yeah. I, um, 
but that's just kind of like that was kind of actually a little thought that i had earlier i like that i like that a mm-hmm. lot you need you need some great you know force that can kind of balance all these powers um and this is what you people just talk about a world government so this in a way is a replacement of a world government yeah uh, that would enforce these things you just need accountability like there's 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 nobody paying attention to like how much uh how much pollution the military does oh my god crazy we, we can't we can't track it they, they we're banned from doing that yeah yeah it's it is so crazy you know nancy pelosi asked a question about that did you see that <laughs> nancy pelosi. did you see that no yeah no. so nancy pelosi is at this conference right it's such a funny video she can put jamie pull it up <laughs> um she's at a conference and this woman comes up right or just, no it's just a group of reporters and sure. then this guy's trying to ask a question and she's like no I want a woman to ask me a question. She picks this woman, and this woman was not fucking around. She picked the <laughs> wrong woman. She picked the wrong fucking woman because this woman is like, hey, like, why are we not tracking like CO2 emissions from the military when they're such a great like contributor? Wow. Of, you know, she gave hardball Nancy. Nancy was Nancy was shook. What did she say? Nancy, oh, dance, dance, dance like a you know she Russian tap dancer. It. She she was she was just da- dancing around, talking about global security and yada yada yada. Did you see the question about um, insider trading that somebody asked her? I I heard something about. It. I know that she sold her stock with, with COVID, right? Yeah, that yeah, some some stupid shit. But she did. I saw her do the same thing where she danced around it. Yeah, most politics, they're, they're they're all dancers. They don't, they dance. It's their job. What a problem! What a problem! Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Oh, really quick though, I want to yeah, I want to sure. comment about one more thing because you sure. sent something really interesting. So with this with the smart contracts, right? That I think that solves a lot of the economic problems that we have. Mm-hmm. But then there's other problems that I think I don't know the solution for. But this is a problem I want to bring up. For example, with the WHO, where uh, China and, and Taiwan, they, they, oh, they yes. won't, they won't, they're not recognized by the WHO. They're inextricably linked. Yeah, and um, it's, it's, it's crazy that we have China you know, being hostile with so many countries and using their you know, power and leverage to box these countries out from you know, things like WHO support and WHO studying things in their country. So we're actually mm-hmm. affecting the whole world there. Yeah, because um, Taiwan's doing kind of well with COVID, right? Uh, I don't know how they're doing I heard, COVID. I heard some anecdote. Keep going, though. Yeah, but it's it's just it's crazy to me that you know that countries like China can have that much political influence to the to the point where they can you know just box certain countries out of global alliances. And I think we as a world have to also take a stand on that. And listen, if we keep doing this over and over again, we're going to cause a war with China in some way or another. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you draw the line. You know, like the reason a country like North Korea even exists in the first place is because of their alliance with China. North Korea didn't have an alliance with China; they wouldn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. So where do like where where are we going to draw the line here? And because we just this is the problem with what we happened in World War Two with Hitler is that we just they just kept conceding, 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 mm-hmm. and they just slowly crept, 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 and then he invaded Poland. And it was too late. So where do we where do we draw the line? Yeah, and here? what happened with Great Britain was that they didn't want to invade because they weren't ready for a war. But what the problem was is that Hitler was getting ready for a war too. So the time that they waited, Hitler waited too. And honestly, at this point, China's been getting ready for a war for a long time. Yeah, well, militarily, no one no one competes with us. But here's here's where we lose. It's the cyber warfare. Yeah, we are mm-hmm. grossly unprepared for cyber warfare. And even though we have an insane military budget, it's going to F-15s and it's not going to the right places. Even yeah. it's crazy. It's bloated that much, and we're still not doing well with that sector. Like, how how is this even possible? How are we that inefficient? You well, saw- I I mean. If, if only we could see into the CIA right now. I'm sure they're doing some crazy shit, but, um, but I think you're right. I think, uh, I think you're, you're right as far as like the social engineering that 
um, Russia and China are working on as far as like those troll farms and whatnot. Yeah. They, they probably have it's us more beat. than troll farms now. I mean, they took down that water grid, right? Or what was it? That, um, I don't know. Gas. Yeah. It was the gasoline line. Oh, I wish I, I wish I knew it more specifically, but some infrastructure in the United States that was government owned, but managed by a private contractor. Uh, this was like three months ago or something like that was taken down. Um, by Russian hackers, and they demanded this this crazy ransom. And of course, you, oh, wow. you can't tie it back to the Russian government. But I mean, come on now. Like yeah. you know, there's there's in some way or another are affecting this this culture of of hackers coming out of this country because they they train so many. So um, yeah, they they uh, you but know. But I wouldn't even call that cyber warfare. That's warfare. Not so, what's what's not cyber about it? The fact that they're demand. I mean, I understand that like. I guess I guess I would. They really they know they, they got in. You know they they used uh, you know security you know holes and, and got in. But that's an act of war. If if they say like we are. Well, it's the, not the Russian government. That's the thing. It's sure. Know. If they say they are the Russian government, that's sure. an act of war in my opinion. That. That's an act of war. Um, my next question was actually about China. Um, China is going to be the new kid on the block. That says that's what Elon says. They already are. In what in what sense? Well, let's. See what the next question says, I guess. Uh, Elon says some people in the Chinese government lived through a time when China was not the big kid on the block. Yeah. And it was pushed around a little bit. What does the world look like with China leading it? Are we there yet? Leading it? I don't know. I mean, what if the world, China led the world, it would look very bad. I know that one for sure. But... Um, I mean, the U.S. still is the dominant economic force, dominant military force, dominant cultural force in the world. Um, and while I do think that the only thing out of those three will tip or pro- is probably the economic side, if mm-hmm. any, um, I, I, I still think the U.S.'s cultural influence is incredibly strong in the world. And that, in part, you know, it provides us with great economic leverage. Yeah. Um, I think militarily it's probably not going to leave for an extremely long time. And I think the military in a way is very outdated. I think that third pillar will become less important, but will still dominate it. Um, and I think China with as much economic influence as it have will influence our culture in ways much greater than it already has and mm-hmm. the world's cultures. Um, and it'll suck. Yeah. A lot of, a uh, lot of big brother looking over you. It's already here with the U S government and with U S companies. So imagine Chinese influence which is already here as well with you know tiktok and shit but yeah well let's um let's move to a more positive note that's what i was saying you made me crying <laughs> what is your favorite part about america um um i don't know if you know what's weird i never left the country other than like aruba or whatever i feel like i do not have enough i, I think the summer when i go to europe i'll gain a lot of perspective so i think i'll learn more but if just like gut reactions like the people like i love american mm. people think the cultures here are so cool and the fact that you can go to the south and then go to the west coast and then go all these different places and experience all these different types of people i think is awesome and um going to college was definitely eye-opening leaving jersey and stuff and living somewhere else was awesome Uh, and i learned a lot about it but yeah i think just diversity of culture is is you know super cool and that a lot of countries are super homogenous and i know america Mm -hmm. is and so that's cool where do you think we go when we die um in the ground sadly i mean all right so i'm not an atheist i'm definitely agnostic but like um if i had to guess it would probably be nothing but like i'm open to the idea of an afterlife open to the idea of some great you know force in the universe because we don't we don't fully understand 
how the universe works. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what came before the Big Bang, right? Stuff like that. Like, we don't have the answers to it, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. But, like, if I had to take a guess, you know, I'm probably going to guess nothing. Um, and, you know, even if life, even if there's a greater purpose of the universe, I don't necessarily think that we have a place in it or life has a place in it, you know? But, like... It might not even have anything to do with us. Yeah. And if there is, if there is a God, we're a side project for sure. There's not like one species that's a main thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, it's a universal force and it's, it's okay with catastrophe. It's okay with, you know, every amazing thing that's ever happened. It's, it is, it is unbiased. And oh, I like that. The universe is okay with catastrophe. It has to be. There isn't a way around it. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, for every planet like ours is a planet exactly the same that gets hit by a meteor in the next five seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's the universe is so amazingly large. It's, you know, there's, you know, infinite possibilities. So we're having this conversation somewhere else. Yeah. I'm sitting there and you're sitting here. Well, hopefully that meteor doesn't come in the next five seconds so somebody can hear this podcast. Someone would have saw it. Someone would have saw that shit coming. What is the meaning of life? Jake Winter. Well, my God, I love these, these questions. Yeah, just, just take interesting turns. Um, uh, the meaning of life for me is the, as influencing other people. Ultimately you will be remembered not for the things you do for yourself, but the things you do for others. Even if those things are something that would greatly benefit yourself, like creating a company or whatever it is. Um, ultimately you have to influence others in order to be remembered. And maybe life isn't, isn't about being remembered. It's about how, you know, how you feel. But I think I feel my best when I'm making other people feel happy. Um, and and there are things that I pursue that don't make other people feel happy, and they're very and they're very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I think that will make me happy until I realize it was just it was just it stimulates me, but it doesn't make me overall happy. You know what I mean? Mm. So um, I think it's a constant tug of war in my head between things I want to do that are just stimulation, things I want to do that are actually great and meaningful. Mm. Well, thanks for coming on here. I appreciate your. Uh... Of course. You, you're doing sharp today. I, I hope you're, you're Dude, doing better. Dude, the coffee. I got to say, this coffee was awesome. Good. I haven't put the turmeric in it so before, but it, it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. How long have we been going? We're at, we're at around 80 minutes here. Wow. Wow. And then what was the meaning of life is the last question. Always. This is a Lex Friedman podcast. Oh, has he asked that to that's everyone? A, that's his last question okay. all I the never time. watched a podcast of his in full. Only clips. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, um... Well, you just got yourself involved in one fully. So that's cool. This is this is this is the longest conversation I think I've ever. No, no, I guess it's not. the headphones. It brings you into the a, headphones. It's just like no, it just closes me in. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's why I wanted to have them. Yeah. Uh. So. So yeah, I mean, I'll have you on again. Maybe I'll have your your co-founder on or something like that. Oh my god, that guy! You will. He will never stop talking. He, uh, if you think I'm bad? He's like me times ten. I do think you're bad. Yeah, so he's <laughs> terrible. I'm telling you, would love to talk to this guy. I'm telling you. Do you yeah. have any other suggestions of who should be on this podcast? Around here, or just in general. All right, I'm gonna start with around here, and then I'll go in general. So around here, I think having on, you need to have someone on that's like your opposite, like you know, mm. someone who's just like you're very like logical, you're very into reasoning, you're conservative, you have, you know, you have these things that you're kind of constantly. You just label about. me as a conservative. Yeah. I'm a label. You're a conservative. I love you, and we're all just we're all we all have our labels. I've never achieved that label before. No. No. No one labeled you a conservative. No. Why? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's your that's 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 how you feel. On the political compass, you're like down and probably a little right and very down. I'll run with it. I trust you. 
Is that that's true. Are you I, taking the blue I, compass I, test? No. All right. If I were if I were to assume, you're just like slightly right, very down. Down is libertarian. You know the way it works, right? Oh, okay. Bottom is libertarian. Top is authoritarian. Left is left. Right is right. Okay. So yeah, I, I want to be way down there. Yeah, yeah. You're very you're the, the libertarian part is the part that's most important to you, and then you're just slightly right. Sure. That's yeah. I I'll do. take that. And I'm like not very. I'm like middle left, very libertarian. Cool. So we're yeah, the weather's nice down here. Yeah. No, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you, like, I have no issue with anyone who's like very far right. It's I have issue with authoritarian people, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and most people are not authoritarian. They want space daddy to take care of it. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck with space for sure. But like, yeah, around here, no, it's no, like no. your opposite. That's what I, I think. That's something that like just, they want some, some big authoritarian to take care of things. You know, people who want like reparations for things and like people who want things paid for them. I hate that. I hate yeah, that. I feel that. But oh, yeah, dude, who's, who's my opposite? I don't know. But like. Somebody who was popular in high school. <laughs> God damn it, Riley. I mean, I guess. Sure. But like, well, yeah. that's what I think of. I think of those someone who, who you know what you you're a contrarian, mm-hmm. fair. No, no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, that, you're a contrarian, perfect. Sure. So yeah, I think someone who is who is just like into establishment, into staying uh, the path. No, stay the path. You don't yeah. think so? I I mean, I, what I would think of as my opposite is somebody who's like very like easygoing and maybe like is super personable and like social, like social meaning like they'll just like go along with what other people say and things mm-hmm. like that that person i would uh i would consider my opposite okay you know what i i always wanted to do a podcast and the, i only have one idea and i want it to be a debate podcast mm-hmm. i think debating on podcasts is so awesome because there's not enough long-form debate ever. yeah 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 i i could if i had some more crazy wires i could get a third person in here i would i would love I'm, I like debating, but I like even more moderating. So yeah. I would love to moderate a debate if you could mm-hmm. find someone to debate you on anything, on sure. a series of topics. You shouldn't just limit yourself to. Well, yeah, I don't. Um, you as as you could tell by your questions, you're pretty. We went all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, um, I'm sure people are getting bored now, so I'll Probably. I'll press in. Anything Anything else you want to say? Do you want to say the name of your uh, startup again? Sure. Patent Plus is my startup. Not really much of a shout out, but I do want to end this off with Riley. I love you. Thank oh, you for having me on. I love you too, Jay. I haven't seen Riley in a while, so it was nice to catch <laughs> up. Um, and keep listening to this podcast. Riley's going to get really good at this, so keep listening.